0: Welcome and you are tuning into Around the Table with the Judges podcast presented by Property Guru Property Report, the official magazine of Asia Property Awards and Asia Real Estate Summit. In this special series, you will meet the revered judging panel across our awards markets from mainland China to India to Australia. We will also be diving into the nitty gritty of the judging process and figure out why they are the most deserving to judge leading industry players. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening once again to another episode of our Judges Podcast. My name is Tina Ryan and I'm your host throughout the series. We had such a lovely talk with our judges from the Philippines last time. Now we are pleased to introduce to you the esteemed judging panel of the 8th Annual Property Guru Vietnam Property Awards. Now to kick this off, may we have our judges introduce themselves, starting with our dearest chairperson.
1: Hello everybody, I'm Tian Duong. I'm the Managing Director of Transform Architecture.
2: Uh, hi everyone, I'm uh, Chow Ta. I'm the uh, Executive Director of Transactions for SC Capital Partners.
3: Paul Volodarsky from DFDL, the Regional uh, Real Estate Head for the firm.
4: And I'm Ed Heisum, I'm from Australia and I'm from Heisum Architects.
0: Thank you everyone. Now, Here's the first question. Since the inception of the awards program 17 years ago, we have sought the guidance and expertise of an independent panel of judges. To give our audience an insight into what you do behind the scenes, can you please explain to us your role in the awards program? Let's start with our dear chairperson.
1: I think our job is to uh, assess projects fairly, You know, in in the hopes that uh, when we select a winning project, it deserves it, you know, and so uh, to be honest, you can see the the wide range of professionals, just in this little panel alone, we're one third of the the whole team. Uh, um, So for me, I, I approach it from a more uh, design standpoint, Whereas Chow, I I think you can explain your approach and, and, and the rest.
2: Yes, uh, uh, as you heard, I'm, I'm a lawyer by uh, profession. So basically uh, coming in, uh, put, leaving uh, the architects and you know, uh, all to their profession. So more of looking at whether or not uh, they um, satisfy the criteria. And then also because we are in the real estate market, myself working also for a real estate firm, we would know the status of where the projects are legally so that we can clarify or within ourselves as judges, we can be satisfied that they do in fact uh, um, reach the criteria or they are where they are in terms of the legal process of uh, um, um, getting their permits, for example. So it, uh, that's my take on the, uh, my input into the judging uh, process.
3: So I guess I can uh, jump in. I'm also uh, on the legal side. Uh, so I'll, I'll back up uh, everything that Chow said. But uh, you know the other part of this is, you know, from our perspective, we are brought into projects basically from inception until completion. And so our role is oftentimes seeing the progress of the project and really understanding you know how it's developing. So when we're looking at these projects, we're really trying to understand, you know what are the developments in the market, what are the changes, not just from a construction perspective, but also from a legal perspective, and looking at how that's developing in the market. And, and and that really informs us in terms of expectations on designs and improvements in the quality of, of construction as we go through the process. And, and having been on the judging panel for a number of years, uh, you know, this is something that's, that's been really interesting because we've seen fast
4: development in Vietnam. And, and of course it's, you know, always a good thing to see it. From my point of view, I, I, I'm an architect. But I've always been interested in the the relationship of the building to its community and to the community it serves. And the most successful buildings, both um, architecturally uh, as well as financially, seem to be the ones that give the most to their community. And it's interesting, this afternoon I've just been involved in a a very big discussion about a new project, which is a transformative project. I, I got the developer to agree that the best design buildings are those ones that most benefit the build, most benefit the, the community and they are the ones that uh, that make the most money
0: Thank you judges now each of you have been chosen because of your background in different fields so throughout the years you must have figured out your own preferences in a development or design which makes us wonder, how do you let go of professional bias at the judging stage?
1: I, I think we, aside from the fact that, you know, for example, I, I'm Vietnamese Canadian and I, I practice architecture in, in Canada and, and in uh, Bermuda and, uh in the UK. So I, I come from a, a diverse uh, kind of international background as long as, as, as well as being in Vietnam for the last 18 years. But I think a lot of it has to do with, with a lot of infighting between the judges. You know, we, we're all very passionate. And, you know, our bias, our, our subjective, uh, you know, inclinations would, would probably, uh, we wouldn't get away. You know, because it's it, it, eventually the winning project is, 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 is was, it would win because of the, the full um, kind of input from
4: all the judges.
0: Paul, Paul, Edward, feel free to jump in any time.
4: Um, it's always a consensus. Of, and we, we work together. People bring different inputs. And it works out. There's no fighting. No physical fighting. <laughs>
2: I was going to say that, uh, Edward. Yes, actually no physical fighting. But we lock ourselves in a room, you know, three, four hours. And there would be a particular topic that all of us have a different view on. And then we sit there and talk through so actually it's uh it's quite nitty-gritty it's uh you know uh heated in that room and sometimes it's okay um this is an architectural point this is a you know design point um we uh, i as a lawyer only input because you know to do with that developer i heard this we know that in market so we put everything together and then we say but this is in your realm you guys So I think all of us, because each of us have our own profession, we actually meet each other at a very thin line and respect each other's professions as well. Um, And that's where we got. So towards the end, and I think I've been in this as well for a very long time, ever since it uh, was uh, the inception, um, the first one. And it's always when the gala dinner happens and when we announce the winners, the, 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 the heart always says, am I proud of hearing that? And then, you know, no one's gonna be happy. There will be people who think they should be winning and they didn't. And then we all know them because the market is so small. You get people asking, why did they win and not us? And you're going to have to put hands on heart and say, we sat in that room. We went to those um, sites we visited and we believed that that winner was the rightful winner for that category for that year. So it was very tough, but like Ed said, uh, no physical fighting.
0: Now, let's say the judges are unable to decide between two major candidates. How do you guys settle this? And who who um, who makes a final decision?
1: So, we, we refer to, we refer <laughs> to the, the, the lawyers. Uh, that's when <laughs> the lawyers comes in.
3: Yeah, <laughs> we, we end up fighting it out. No, I think, um, you know, usually what we end up doing is, I think as, as all of my judges have said, we really uh, respect everybody's Perspective when it comes to the process, and everybody comes in with specific types of information uh, that they can bring to the table that help to inform our decisions. So when there are disagreements, and there certainly are when we're going through and looking at the project, some of us, you know, have one perspective; others have another, and we really sit down and talk through what makes a good project. What are the things that are that we feel are uh, exceptional, and what are we think are, uh, you know uh detriments to a particular project's uh you know success in getting an award in a particular category we have this debate every year we're, we're <laughs> constantly trying to figure out what is the right category for a project uh you know are they really meeting the criteria that we're looking for and we really talk it through it's not something that we just sort of uh you know submit a form and say that's it let's add up the numbers we really
2: do go through the process and
3: we really do want the best projects to
2: win and I and I add to this also I don't think it's been mentioned a lot but um, all of us need to declare our conflict of interest so you know uh, you've got service providers uh, architects you've got lawyers that are acting for clients that are doing the development in the past in the future you know all of that so we would declare our conflicts of interest at the beginning and then when it comes to voting and especially at times where the question this question matters, is, when there, is uh, when there are two, what do we do? Then those that are conflicted will only give their views and then that's it, they put on it. But uh, yeah, so it's, uh, and then we have also our independent uh, um, auditors that sits with us in terms of, and all the time in that room, there are independent uh, third parties that would listen to all of this and take note. So not as if you know, we all go yeah. in there and uh, just whatever goes, it's not that.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think it's important to know, To I think, just to show the transparency of, of our judging process. Sometimes, you know, you, you some judges, they would uh, champion a project. Okay, so first of all, if they have conflict of interest, they're not allowed to vote in that category. Okay, I think to make that very clear, they're not allowed to vote. Uh, but sometimes, let's say there are two projects and you have two judges are, that are championing this particular project, you know, and and, and so they are very passionate, they, they would explain to the rest of the panel what why they think that project would, should win. And then we, we give the other judge who's championing another project to to talk about that one, you know, and, and then we're all here listening to it and we're like the jury, you know, in, in that case. And then at the end of the day, if it's, there's not a clear winner, we do a vote. It, it's a democratic kind of... Uh, <laughs> conclusion to that whole process.
0: Edward, would you like to add anything to that before I proceed to the next question?
4: I think one of the interesting things for me is that um, a few years ago, we had someone who was very strong on sustainability above everything else. Um, And so they would really push, you know, a successful project was the project that demonstrated the most sustainability. What was interesting about that is that through the judging process, um, they were able to ameliorate their their views because they could see that there were other issues which probably superseded those in some instances. So it wasn't as if we were ignoring the sustainability, but there are other urban design issues or design issues or or sales issues that that corrected it. And I think that's the benefit of having people on the judging panel with different um, uh, skill sets and interests. So it works well.
0: Now this year, you added a plethora of new categories, mostly focused on residential. One category that stood out is the best wellness lifestyle development. How crucial is it to have this type of development in Vietnam and across the globe?
3: I guess I'm...
1: I'm, (laughs) Yeah, you go. <laughs> we're, all, we're all being very polite, you know, giving no, each other I, chances to go first. You see no, how I'll, you see how you see how civilized this judging panel is? <laughs>
0: but I'd like no. to be in that room though when you guys make that final decision. <laughs> I wanna yeah. see the action. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um I think uh, to answer that question, I think it's the trend. Um, trend meaning the trend where the market is today, where the population of Vietnam is today in terms of types of products that the population is looking for. So, um, you know, the whole, uh, this is my view anyway, I think the whole COVID experience for everybody, um, the, you know, the worrying about health, about uh, safety, um, about uh, security for that. So I think that it's always been there um, in other uh, developed countries, These kind of uh, developed uh, residents. But not yet um, at a stage where it is uh, something where investors fully invest in as a as a, a separate sector. If you follow what I'm trying to say, so I think it, it's an important uh, item to add to the category because it will now. You think it's the chicken or the egg? Do you start the trend or you wait for the trend to start and then you follow the trend? Right. So somewhere I think as 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 big event as the you know. Um, promoting the real estate market of Vietnam, uh, to Mm. put it forward to the rest of the world, then I think these kinds of categories need to drive, we contribute, not we, you know, these kinds of awards, recognitions, also help to steer and drive where the trend should be uh, for a developing country like Vietnam. So I think that category, um, you know, if you do that five years ago, it wouldn't be uh, something that seems uh, extravagant uh, or what. But I think in today's uh, terms, it's needed um, to push it to that next, next level. Yeah.
4: It's interesting that what COVID's done is it's actually added a whole layer of stress and tension to our societies, and that people are so—you know—people have, have lost their jobs, of course, but maybe regained them now. But they—they are um, under enormous personal stress and. I think it's great that we've got this category coming up because it's not just for Vietnamese, it's not just for the people of Vietnam, but it's also promoting uh, an export market, if you like. People can come to Vietnam, experience the beauties and wonder of Vietnam, and also get well. Win win.
1: Yeah, I, um, I I was actually in in Thailand yesterday, you know, and. Um, Thailand, as, as Paul knows, uh, Paul was in Thailand before uh, coming to Vietnam. You know, and, and Thailand is a very mature market for real estate, you know, and, and Vietnam, actually, it, it, Vietnam is the underdog at the moment. You know, there's so much potential. And, and you know, I, I actually, I hope a lot of developers and their consultants should be traveling around Asia and see what the competition is doing. And that's part of what... Um, this, this, you know, property, repo- property uh, guru, and and, and the, the Vietnam property awards are all about, you know, it, it, it takes the best projects from v- Vietnam, and then, you know, it brings it to the grand finals. And then developers, they, they actually get a chance to go there and, and look at what the competition is doing. You know, I, I actually went to see some projects in Thailand, and, and, and amazing projects, you know, just dealing with this whole wellness. And so Vietnam, we haven't seen it, to be honest. Uh, for me, I, I'm, I'm quite excited to see what Vietnam has to offer in this very new
3: category. I think from, from my side, uh, you know, what I've seen is a huge amount of interest from investors and hospitality brands looking to build these types of branded residences and wellness and lifestyles type residences in Vietnam. Uh, and we've seen a massive growth in that market over uh, during COVID. I think, you know, one of the other kind of consequences of COVID was that a lot of people realized that where they live and how they live in a space is really important. So when you're locked inside of your house for an extended period of time, you know, having a place that feels more comfortable, that that really caters to the lifestyle that you want to live when you're at home, is an important development in the market. You know, before you could move into a tiny 20 square meter apartment and feel fine because you could go out. Um, but as, as some of the judges know, during lockdowns, you're stuck in your house for months at a time. And that space really became important. And I think what you're seeing is a development out of that, which is this focus on identifying and building these types of residential projects that really meet a, a, a greater purpose other than just a place to live. Yeah,
4: good point.
0: That is so true. I mean, living in a very tiny condo without a balcony and being stuck for three months kind of, you know, made me lose my mind a bit. And so now <laughs> it's like um, non-negotiable. We are in the process of moving and also having, um, how pet friendly are residents or like, the developers are in Vietnam, because here in the Philippines, we're, we're kind of not just getting started and having having a dog during the pandemic really saved my life. <laughs> so.
1: You know, interestingly, I, they, I, I went to a project in, in uh, Thailand, you know, one, one of the award-winning projects in that market. And they actually have started developing pet-friendly apartments, you know, where they actually have little flats to allow the dog to go out into the balcony is, is quite interesting. You know, that, I think that's another level that, uh, you know, v- Vietnam uh, has, you know, another opportunity to, to develop something more specific.
0: Did you hear that? We're moving to Thailand. Okay. <laughs> so, another new category that we want to talk about is the best connectivity condo or housing development. Okay. What does connectivity mean in this context? Like the first thing I think of is connectivity is Wi-Fi. <laughs> Tell me who, who wants to go first.
1: I think this this has a lot to do with what Ed was talking about. Hey, Ed? Yeah.
4: Uh, yeah. It's the connectivity to the community, basically. Um you know, I, I was showing these people today two horrible photographs of, of families having to have family dinners in front of the lift. Uh, the lifts, the elevators in the elevator foyer, because there's no connectivity anywhere else in the building. And I think it's really critical that buildings like condominiums reach out beyond themselves and not only create spaces for people inside the building, but people outside the building. And I think, you know, if there's, if I hope there's going to be a trend, you know, that some of these buildings we've seen in the past are quite selfish buildings. You know, they just relate to each themselves whereas the most to me the most successful ones are the ones that actually have a relationship outside
1: I think it's also about amenities you know uh,
4: yeah. and, and and it's about bringing
1: the, the the residents together you know in 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 if, if a developer creates a lot of amenities you know like uh, of course the swimming pool and uh, you know barbecue area playground uh, even I, I, I saw a running track uh, the other day. Wow. You know, yeah, around the, you know, even you can do that on the roof, you know, and it's all linked to the wellness and it's linked to connecting people and uh, creating communities.
0: There you go. Building communities. That's very Now, the the introduction of these new categories mean that the developments, designs and solutions keep improving over time. How has the criteria for judging evolved to keep up with the times?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, Vietnam has changed. You know, recently, um, there's a lot of out-of-town developments. Uh, you know, Vietnam has a very, very long coast. So there's an influx of coastal projects. You know, I've seen the one of the first kind of building types uh, of, of its kind. It's called uh, coastal shophouses. You know, shophouses okay. located in near a resort near, near the sea. You know, so, yeah, I mean, the... We have to change, you know. and this year there, there's definitely, I don't know, what do you think, Chow and uh, Paul, as, as you've been dealing a lot of these, these transactions, right? I, I think there's a lot less for this year, a lot less uh, projects within Ho Chi Minh and Hanoi, which is not the normal trend, right? Yeah,
2: and I think partially because we're running out of land in uh, city centres in uh, Ho Chi Minh City, so places are moving out further to coastal, as you say. And I think um, uh, Vietnam becoming or have been um, in the eyes of the world uh, in the recent years um, does provide that alternative um, to you know, investors understanding or trying to of the same mindset that they can see how such an investment would work in Vietnam based on what their understanding of what coastal would be in another country. Um, but also, I think I think, and this goes again to, um, you'll see in the coming years, more and more developments are going to go out to that kind of area, less urbanised, uh, less developed. Because post COVID, I, I, speaking as a, um, a a tourist, a traveller, uh, a person that wants to move houses from where I am today, post COVID, is that I would want to go somewhere where there there are more um, uh, alternatives. I don't know, alternatives captured everything, you know, meaning if I was going to be locked down, I want to be locked down in a bigger space. I want to be locked down in fresher space, uh, cleaner space, all of that. And so everything in centre won't serve that purpose. It needs to be elsewhere. And then it goes to the mindset of travellers as well. So for those that invest in um, residents along the coast, right, shop houses along the coast or second home residents, it would be that way because what it means is now... Um, We can buy and we can travel, drive ourselves out uh, rather than be then glummed in, you know, the what is uh, a two hours drive or, you know, closer uh, destinations, but packed, jammed packed with people. And you'll be fighting for food. You'll be fighting for parking and everything. You want to go somewhere out further. So, yeah, I think that's going to be the trend for the next five, at least five years in terms of developments of uh, these kinds of coastal uh, residents
4: it in Australia where people are moving out of the CBDs and moving out of the the capital cities and going to more regional areas and in Brisbane there's an enormous growth in both the north coast and the south coast they're doing exactly what you've just said and it's helped by the fact that the internet speed uh, is improved significantly so you don't actually have to be in the office anymore you can can actually do your work while you're in your bigger place Um, and i think you're absolutely right chao i think that's that's going to be the trend we're going to see more and more of those things
2: and we and we learned sorry to add a little bit more we learned during COVID here in vietnam especially being locked down you don't need to be in your house go and rent a a beach house in da nang in ho Jam somewhere you're still locked down but you're in a different uh, you know a different space and actually that is now becoming quite okay it's okay because you can be anywhere and still working um, and and it's becoming an, not a norm but an alternative to work modes, right? So actually, I, I think it's going to become much more. A, apartments is going to be that permanent thing where that's the permanent home, and then you have those homes that are more of the travel homes. Yeah. Who doesn't want yeah. to work at the beach,
3: right? Go ahead, Paul. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I'm Even just if you work 24,
2: 24 <laughs> hours, you still feel like you're on a holiday. Although you can't do anything, you're just looking at it, but it's still better than not, right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> and I think just to, to add on to this, you know, one of the other reasons I think that you see it a lot in Vietnam is, is because the the residential market is really driven by Vietnamese buyers. So unlike some other jurisdictions in Southeast Asia that are more heavily driven by foreign investors that are purchasing up these types of properties you know vietnam is really driven by vietnamese investors who are you know you know increasing middle class and increasing wealthy who are looking at look at you know alternative locations for their family to go you know investment properties these types of things which are also driving that interest and and covid with the borders being closed for so long you know I can say I, I, I had no problem with the borders being closed in Vietnam, I got to travel all over the country. Um, there's so much to see, you know, my my wife and I got to go, you know, as far north as Sapa, and, you know, to Dalat and, and other secondary cities that, that had kind of been ignored. And you're seeing this interest in country of people going, okay, well, I, I'd like to have a house here, I'd like to be able to spend more time in this city. You know there are there are places in in Vietnam that a lot of foreigners have not heard of. You know like Canto that I know uh, Tien is is doing projects there, and you know you're seeing this massive development, and it's it's very much driven by the local market, not not so much by foreign investors.
0: Okay. Now, next question. Our audience may be unaware of this but our judges devote their time for free to our awards program so what is it that makes this role worthwhile to you all
3: i'll jump in first if i can (laughs) i was gonna say uh i just love seeing the properties um you know for me as someone who's stuck in you know i think when you look at this background you're thinking oh it must be interesting but actually I, i sit in this exact same spot for hours and hours and hours and we work on these contracts and we look at how to structure these projects and looking at, you know, how they're going up from a piece of paper, but being able to actually go out and see the site and see how they're developing. And, you know, one of the fun things, at least for me, and I, I, I'll say this, you know, I think most of the judges can agree that when we get images of projects and we go to see, they don't always match and it's really important for us to get out there and and for me i love to just be able to see this is actually what's happening because when you tell somebody i worked on this project or i had a minor role in this project or you know we bought this project you want to say that you're really comfortable with what you've actually told people you worked on uh and you get to see you know how those projects develop and then you know of course there's also the camaraderie with the judges really getting interesting perspectives from everyone you know we're all coming from kind of narrow focus we have our our area of expertise and this really gives us all opportunity to learn from each other and of course improve ourselves in our in our field of practice so just being able to do that is is, you know great for me and of course I loved seeing the, the development in Vietnam and being able to see, uh, you know, as cheesy as this sounds, the, the happy faces of the winners. And, you know, it's always fun calling that out. And, 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 you know, it's just a very enjoyable experience overall. I'm always happy to do it.
4: You learn a lot when you're a judge. You, you go and you, you see how people approach projects different way. I, think, I'm, I always find it an incredible learning experience. I love it.
2: I, um, I'll add, uh, I actually originally um, wanted to join the judging panel when it, um, VPA, uh, Vietnam Property Awards, was first uh, in Vietnam for the first time because I wanted, um, sounds really terrible, but I'm going to do this. I want the award to be credible, um, credible, not just to those that wins it, but to the rest of the world that sees it. Because I think the Vietnam property market, and I eat, breathe, sleep, real estate. So for me, it's me wanting the Vietnamese real estate and the market and the people that makes it stand out and be known in the global market. So that was the passion in which why I wanted to be a judge on VPA when it first came. And that's why I wanted to stay all the way because you see it evolves over time and you see different judges come, different judges joins, but there are those that are constant and those constant and that are still here today. I think all our parts are there for the real estate market and we want it to be the shining star. Mm-hmm. All the real estate there are in Asia because we're here in Vietnam. So actually it's a, uh, a, a Patriotic, I'm Australian Vietnamese, but also, also a proud thing that we're in this country. We're making some way, somehow, change to it. So mm. yeah, I, I'm uh, It's it's free, mm. but you get the the different kind of satisfaction um, doing. It. Yeah, wonderful.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, you know we're we're all professionals in this market, you know, and so our little contributions to our our own projects are very small, but. For this award, so we we get involved, you know, to somehow, in our little way, affect the built environment in in a positive way, you know. So for us, it's it's about the you know you know what Ed was mentioning about the community. It's it's about uh, uh, proper transactions, credibility, you know. Like uh, you know, there, there are I hate to say it, and it happens around the world, you know. Like you you have projects where the developers cannot build, you know, and, and there's issues legally with the projects. And we have our, our, our lawyers on our panel who, who, who look at that. And in a way, we're, we're kind of recognizing uh, good projects, good developers, but we're also helping to protect the, you know, the buyers, the, the, the consumers. You know, and for us, it's, it's about credibility and our integrity, you know? So when we say that this award, we're very proud to, announce this winner it's a real award you know it's, it's not something you upload to the internet and you get the award and i think that's a key issue uh you know which which we we're very proud of Or i am anyway
2: right and uh, sorry to end what tim is <laughs> saying and i know he's alluding to things but uh this is real this is where we go we see it we judge it we put our uh, minds to it we ask questions and we put our hands to our heart whereas there's other awards that you can actually apply online and get it. So yeah. that's the- uh,
1: Exactly. And, and, and I think there's something I, I forgot is that we are on the ground. You know, we, 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 the, the, the panel of judges are international professionals who've, you know, Paul, you're from America, aren't you? You know, and, and so, you know, we, we come together, but we know the market. You know, we know what those projects are all about inside out.
0: Thank you everyone. Now, special shout out to our sponsors and partner this year. We have platinum sponsor Kohler, gold sponsor Hafla and St. Gobain Vietnam, local partner Oriental Media Vietnam, media partner Vietnam Heritage, official portal partner bakdongsan.com.vn, Official Magazine, Property Guru, Property Report, Official PR Partner, TNH Communications, and Official Supervisor, HLB. Once again, thank you so much, judges. Our deepest appreciation to all of you for generously devoting your time and expertise to our awards program. Other notable members are Alex Crane, David McDonald, Duke Trong, Hang Dang, Jean-François Chivans, Mauro Gasparotti, And there you have it, the Distinguished Judging Panel of the Property Guru Vietnam Property Awards. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye!